All right then. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Welcome tonight to the Thursday night wisdom call and Bible study and prayer. This is Pastor Lester Sharon Hayes. We, your host tonight, just want to welcome you all back from this morning, awesome time this morning on the Creating a Prayer Culture for God, Thursday morning, January twenty seventh, and we're back tonight, Thursday night, January twenty seventh at seven thirty p.m. to go a little further, learn a little bit more. Add some more wisdom and knowledge about our God, some understanding, some revelations. Have some things revealed to us, uncovered, and, 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 and us exposed to it that we might be able to have those essential uh, things that God has given us that benefit us, that come through his love for us. Amen. And so we're so excited tonight, amen, to know what these essential benefits are that we have uh, in Christ Jesus, amen, that do us good. Like a medicine, amen, taught to us from the word of God. And I'm feeling good myself, all energized in the word tonight. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so we're just so excited that we strive this year of 2022, man, toward reaching that optimal overall level of wellness that God has prescribed for us, whether that be physical wellness, whether that be spiritual wellness, emotional wellness, financial wellness, intellectual wellness, occupational wellness, and environmental wellness. You know, we just thank God for all of it. Amen. 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 And we give him the praise, you know, for uh, a year that we're going to build ourselves up and build our future and, and hope to the end that we will achieve optimal overall wellness. Amen. So body, soul, spirit, heart, mind, life, physical body, the whole nine yards. Amen. We want to max out for God this year. And we know through the word of God as these revelations are revealed that this is the map. This is the plan. That God has laid out for us It's called the plan of salvation You know it's called living your life Where it's well pleasing in the sight of God And he adds all these optimal things to us Amen In these areas that we're, we're, we're learning about And talking about And so we're going to get into this Thursday night Wisdom call, Bible study and prayer Amen We've been dealing with the cloud uh, Under the, this, this particular teaching The proof that one really loves God and we said that there are six tests that we're faced with each and every day uh, that proves according to what's written in the word, not just what I feel, what I think, what I do, but what's written in the word. You know, and the scripture text we've been dealing with is out of the book of First John, chapter three, uh, verse uh, one through you know, so far we at verse three right now. So this is far as we've gotten, but that's okay. We're not in any hurry. We want to break these uh, precepts down. If you haven't learned by now, uh, when uh, when I teach, I try to teach book, chapter, verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm I'm trying to get better at that. I'm rehearsing that, practicing that, and so I think it simplifies the word. It it allows us to unpack what's contained in the word. Uh, you know, when you get down to the precepts and you'll hear me sometimes say A, precept A, precept B, precept C, precept D. I'm just going in and breaking the, the lines of scripture, the verse of scripture down a little bit more. Because what I'm discovering is when you do that, there's so many scripture references that all of the apostles and the prophets, even Jesus, they made references some things in those precepts that have already been foretold. And so when you hear me giving you volumes of scripture reference with every precept, it's because my chain reference Bible takes me to those different applications of that of that same precept in other generations, other cultures before us. And I'm saying we don't want to miss out on anything. They didn't miss out on anything because they had Jesus to come and teach it to them. He taught what Isaiah said. He taught what he referenced, what Moses said. Paul did the same thing. All of them 
grab these same references that we're that we're using to break these precepts down that they use. So we're getting the benefit of all of that. Now, we could just rush through the scripture and let you figure it out. But when you're teaching the revelation of Jesus Christ, the word revelation actually means unveiling, revealing. There are things in the Old Testament that need to be revealed in the New Testament. So this is what we're doing. And so don't don't get bored. Don't get tired. Don't get, you know, kind of hasty and say, why we just keep going over the same old thing? It's because we're revealing some things that are just not naturally for you to look at and say, "Okay, I got it. That's what Bible teaching and Bible study is about. It's book upon book, chapter upon chapter, verse upon verse, line upon line and precept upon precept. So I, I just owe you that explanation right there. So you ought to sit and consider yourself blessed that I'm not up in here. We're not up in here. This pastor's going hee-hawing and screaming and shouting stuff out there for you for about five or seven minutes and breathing out about out of breath when we get finished and you ain't learned nothing. Come on. We're teaching. We're taking our time and we're teaching you the word of God that the word of God has been taught and revealed to us. And so this is why God mandated that we do the revelation of Jesus Christ because we felt like our people who are good people Deserve to have the word of God <coughs> revealed to them, you know, in, in simple forms. And so we take our time and we break it down. We do research. We try to make sure that you understand when you look at the word, you're not sitting there saying, well, I don't understand that verse. I'm just go to the next verse. Or you go out here and buy a watered down version of the word because it helps you to be able to understand a transliteration versus versus the actual understanding of the word in the original text. And the King James gets us close, but then there are other books and things that we research to define these words. Hebrew Bibles, Greek Bibles, you know, Aramaic, Chaldean Bible. All this to help us to understand the original text of the word. So we write the divided when we, when, we, when we give it to you. All right then, so now that that's said, let's get in here. Verse 3 of, of the first book of John, chapter 3, verse 3 we've been dealing with. And we've covered the A, B part of this, the C part of this this morning where we talked about uh, the A, B part of this. It dealt with hope, eternal hope, which boils down to a confident expectation of everlasting life. That's, that's the hope that we should have. We do this with this hope in mind, you know, that all of this is preparing us for eternity. Uh, the C part of this we covered in detail this morning with all the scripture reverence was the cleansing that is spiritual as it's prescribed in the word. Not just doing the right thing and say, well, I did the right thing or I did the best. I could. It's, it's another level of clinic cleansing uh, that gets to the spiritual level where the inside of a person gets clean. And the word of God is done. It does that to sanctify it because it's truth. It consecrates us. It separates us. It renews our mind to the things of God. And then when we hide it in our heart, it's so that we cannot sin against God, even though we still sin. But sometimes it helps us to know that when I sin against God, I got to quickly repent because I want to always do what? Stay in right standing with God. And the re and how I do that is He's faithful and just to forgive me if I sin. I'm not telling nobody this tonight for this to be a license to say, okay, I, I sin, but I don't have to worry about nothing called God. No, this is not a license that Paul said for you to sin. But this is to kind of let us know that God has already covered our sin. He's already covered a way for us to deal with our sin that we don't willfully go out here, man, and premeditatively do something that we know is not pleasing inside of God. But there are will be some restraint okay we can you know we, we learned this morning to get rid of all filthiness you know strive for holiness and we talked about how to do that we purge ourselves with the word of god 
purge ourselves daily with the word of God. Because that's the truth. Jesus said that in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 17, King James Bible. He said, Father, sanctify them with thy word because thy word is truth. So he's telling us now to sanctify ourselves with the word of God, which is truth. Every time you, you pick it up, every time you read it, you know, it's purifying us, it's purging us, it's getting rid of some things, and it's renewing us in the things of God. So we covered A, B, and C. Tonight we're going to look at perfection itself. So that's the D part. You know, when you read that verse, it says, And every man that had this hope, you know, had this hope in him. Now this hope he's talking about is that, that expectation to spend eternal life with the Lord. Now bear in mind, no flesh would dwell in his presence. Not now, not then, not ever. So we got to do something with this flesh right now. We got to purge it. We, you know, we got to, we got to crucify. We got to, we got to tame it. You know, we got to get this flesh to be in subjection. Amen. And so this is what we're doing because, you know, we want to spend eternity with Jesus. So we got to do something with this flesh and we got to, we got to clean this temple up as prescribed by the word. And so that's the level of perfection that we're striving for, working out our salvation with fear and trembling all the way to the end. And because God loved us so much. He's allowing us to have this experience in his love, giving us all the tools, as we like to say sometimes, to help ourselves, man, get rid of all those imperfections, you know, renew ourselves in the things of God, you know. And he already know. That's why Jesus went ahead and paid the price. It's going to be one of the most difficult things for us to do. But he provides us with the help. He provides us with the help we need because he already knows. He suffered the way we were going to suffer so he would know what it would be like. And he decided afterwards, I'm going to go back to the Father so I can continue to help them. And the Father going to continue to help you by sending his son first. And then when his son finished his work, now we got an advocate and a high priest. He didn't leave us confidence. He sent us a second helper, which was the Holy Ghost. That's who's in us now. Great is he that's in us. But we have to learn the value of having him in us, having him come alongside of us. Because he's helping us with that perfection, that maturity is what we like to think of as perfection. Reaching a level of maturity where there's no doubt, there's no unbelief. I believe God no matter what's happening. The house could be burning down. I'm still going to believe going to believe God praying that my house don't burn down. Knowing that there's a possibility, but it should not change my, my position with God. You know, Hebrew boys experienced that in the fiery furnace. Daniel experienced that in the lion's den. You know, Peter then was in prison. You know, all, all of them experienced that perfection. You know, they had that mature knowledge about that experience that they had with God, his love. And it was demonstrated again and again and again. Drove Peter to say, man, hey, it's better to obey you, God, than obey man. You know, and so that's what it comes down to. So these are all incentives of God's love that's based on purity. That purity that comes from being sanctified by that word, that word is truth. And so let's take a look at this level of perfection that we're talking about here tonight. Uh, part D, right at the end of that verse of scripture where it says purify himself uh, even as he is pure, as he is pure. So the type of purity or perfection we're talking about there is based on the example that Jesus set. Now, that's a hard task to follow there. You know, when he done told us that even in our most righteousness, we still like filthy rags. But see, it's when you apply the blood of Jesus to your life. When God looks and he sees that we've accepted the work on the cross, he sees that we believe in our heart, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is God's only begotten son. That works to our favor. That, that's, that's a merit for us. You see, God operates on a merit system. And it's not our merits of how we do right or wrong, or how we view things, or how we try to be perfect. But it's when I humble myself under the hand of Almighty God based on 
the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. Mm. You know, and that right there should keep me humble. That should keep me reverencing God, fearing God, want to serve God, want to do right by God. That's what he looks at. He looks at us imperfected through the perfect finished work of Jesus. And when we believe that and accept that, that God did that for us, he said, those who believe, you're not condemned. But if you don't believe that, you're condemned already. You know, that, that love don't become perfect in you until you believe that. You know, perfect love, perfect peace. Everything becomes perfect when God sees that. That's why we were talking this morning about go, everything we do, do it in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, it gets God's attention. You know, it puts a smile on the Father's face, man, that we recognize in His Son. That's the key to the kingdom. You know, and so let's take a look at this perfection, uh, which is uh, the sinlessness of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's what it's based on. He knew no sin, committed no sin. Now, the, the, the challenge here is in the book of First John, chapter four, verse 17, the King James Bible. As he is, he's still perfect before God, even though he became sin for us. But guess what? He finished that work. And the Father glorified him back to that perfect position. Yes, yes. It was only sin for us long enough to reconcile us back to the Father. And guess what? To put us back in perfect standing, a right standing with God our Father. And long as we go through Jesus, he's the only way to truth and the life. None of us will ever get to the Father without that. And if we can get to the Father then in the next life, mm -hmm. which is going to be perfect, there'll be no sickness, no more work. Guess what? We can experience that or we can rehearse that now just like it's going to be then. You know, speaking those things that be not those perfect things that come from above because everything that comes from above is perfect. Speaking those things as though they are until they do. It's going to manifest, you know, snared by the word of our mouth, taken by the word of our mouth. Things that God can use, things that are good, pleasant, honest, be able to go report, be able to verse, be able to praise. You know, think on those things so I can speak those things as though they are, even though they be not now. That's faith. Without faith, you can't please God. Faith is perfect. Faith has a perfect work. Patience have a perfect work. All these virtues that come from God, they are to make us perfect, meaning more mature spiritually. It's like taking that natural man with all them imperfections. And transforming ourselves into spiritual beings, you know, still in this physical body, but spiritual beings because we're, we're allowing, matter of fact, we're even working to put the flesh under us every day, dying daily, so that our spirit can be renewed daily because there, no, there is no fault in the spirit. Your spirit, God's spirit in you and us is perfect. But it's that human spirit in us that's imperfect. And we're trying to train him. We're trying to re rehearse him. We're trying to, you know, transform him or her into a, a spirit, a perfect spiritual being where everything we do is not by my might, not by my power, not by my strength, but it's by the spirit. Because He makes no mistakes. He only does things according to the will of God because he knows the mind of God. We only we only know the mind of man ourselves. That's the best we can do. But we're learning how to let the mind of Christ Jesus be in us because his thoughts are perfect. They're not like our thoughts. They're, they're so far away from each other. And that's that level of perfection that he wants that we start thinking like him. We'll start speaking like him. We'll start acting like him. We'll start trying to imitate him and be like him because that's what the word says. As he is, so are we in the earth. So he, he already seen how he wants us to be. And he's done everything he can to get us back on that straight path. Because you got to remember now in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, the second chapter, there was no sin. 
It wasn't until Genesis 3.15 that Adam and them broke, they broke that perfect cycle. And because of that sin in the garden, that choice they made was not a perfect choice. Perfect choice that when God tells you to do something, you do what he tells you to do. That's perfect. But if you let another voice come in and tell you something different, it just contaminated that perfect voice that spoke to you. And he says, his children, another voice, you won't, you won't follow. You break the perfect relationship. But it had to be reconciled. The price had to be paid to satisfy God, the requirement. So the second man, Adam, came and died a perfect death, a perfect sacrifice, a perfect restoration and reconciliation. And who in their right mind wouldn't want to be put back on that straight and narrow path once you know about God. That's why the revelation is so important. So let's take a look at it. It's the sinlessness based on the sinlessness of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, before it, be, before it becomes anything else to us. We have to see that he was the perfect Lamb of God, spotless, and took my place. Okay. Uh, what are some of the characteristics of God? We use them a lot of time, but I'm going to throw three of them out there as we go into the lesson tonight. Uh, and a lot of Christian thought Base, base these characteristics on the perfection of Jesus Christ. Why well, say the sinlessness of Jesus Christ? You know, to give us some idea, really what is required because he's preeminent. He's supreme. He reigns supreme. He is above everything. So his level of maturity and perfection, once you know him spiritually, it's above everything. It's above every other level of knowledge. That's why he says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, even though we have all these smart people running around here with all these PhDs and doc and degrees. But none of that stuff can discern the things of God. A carnal mind, educated mind, cannot discern the things of God. You know? And so that's why God takes the foolish things of this world and confine the wise. And so you don't have to have a degree. You know, to be mature in God, you have to have a relationship. You have to study his word. You know what I'm saying? You have to renew your mind. You have to be baptized in his Holy Spirit. You have to do those things according to the scripture. Not Harvard, not what the standard the world set for you. And they look at you and say, oh, you somebody important. Remember, you know, Paul said, I did not come to you all smart man, educated. I didn't come to you with my philosophy. Wisdom of men, wisdom of this world, excellency of speech, Tyson words, philosophy. He said, no, I came to you with a demonstration of the spirit and power of God because that's perfect. You know, and so let's take a look at these three characteristics here and, you, and they'll, they'll come to you. You'll be saying, yeah, I heard them before. Really, really it's four of them. And this is how Christians should think about it in terms of uh, sinlessness of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So God is Traditionally, we'll say traditionally here, because if you think back in history, you know, it, it, it began a long time ago, over 2000 years ago, as we like to reference it, described as being that that possesses at least three or four of these following characteristics. Um, these are necessary <coughs> possessions that a person should have to be uh, sinless. And we know there's only one person who have accomplished that, but he's willing to share that accomplishment with us. Through perfect love. By perfect love have I drawn thee. No greater love than this. You know. And it's this. That one of the, 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 the first property about him. I'll say attribute or characteristic. Is his omniscience. His all knowing. Nobody knows all but God. That's a perfect infinite knowledge. David said our knowledge is it's just it's, it's finite. It can't even begin to comprehend. But his knowledge is infinite 
His wisdom is infinite. There's nothing else like it, you know, but we can come close because what he shares and reveals to us is what he wants us to know. And that's enough. Now, he said this, even in that, your eyes still won't see everything. Your ears still won't hear everything. Your heart still won't see everything that I have been withholding for those who love me. So once we see him now, what we know in part going to be made full to us. So right now, we, we need to embrace the perfect part that we see in part. We need to get all of that we can. We need to have a perfect, mature understanding about that. You know, and, and in the same time, Pastor, I got to be hungry for more. Mm-hmm. I got to bring a perfect hunger and a perfect thirst for more. Then I'm going to be filled. And this is why he said, now, every day doing that, rehearsing that, practicing that, I'm going to reach a level of maturity. Well, one day I'm going to wake up because I'm standing right before God. And my eyesight is going to be perfect. No longer seeing in part. No longer wondering what he looked like. No longer imagining. I'm going to see him the way he is. How am I going to do that? Because I'm going to be just like him. You're going to be just like him. We're going to be just like him. And we'll have a new body that will never, ever know corruption again. We're going to take off that corruption, put on incorruption, that mortality, put on immortality. Now, this is the victory that we already have if we're hoping in Christ. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself. You know, that's what the word does right now, you know. And so it, it, it brings us to that level of, of, <coughs> of maturity and perfection. So that's number one, all knowing. <coughs> then he's omnipotent, all powerful. Okay. There's no power. He said, not by your power, your strength, your might, but by my spirit, says Lord. And, and that's why he said, great is he. If you got him inside of you, great is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because in my weakness, knowing that, I can say I'm strong. Mm. You know? No. When I'm poor, I can say I'm rich. Why? I got the power to speak things, not to be not as though they are. Because I got the greater one on the inside. The book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the King James Bible says this. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Think about what's in the world. Lust of the eye, pride of life, lust of the flesh, all these educated people out here. I remember a time, and I don't do it anymore, I used to call them educated fools. I was wrong, but that's how I thought of them. Because they made education their God. They made money their God. They made you know, possessions their God. They cared more about stuff than they did God. And it was amazing to me, Pastor Sharon. They used to come to me and ask me to pray for them. All that stuff. And then when it failed them and, and, and they ended up sick or whatever, here they come. And I was just foolish enough to pray for them. I loved it, you know. Because it was, it was that, that level of maturity in me about who I was, knowing that I didn't have to have no title to pray for people. I felt like it was a delight because I understood that was a part of my wealth to have faith enough to pray for somebody and believe that God could heal them because he had healed me. And I used to tell people, I'm rich. You just don't know how rich I am. You know, same today. Uh, and you're, you're the same way. You share the same, the, same, uh, the same wealth. You have access to him and his power. And he said, when my Holy Spirit comes in, you will come on, you're going to receive power. Power to be a what? Listen to this now in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. To be a witness. <laughs> uh, first to Jesus. Now to all Judea, all Samaria, all Jerusalem. And look, unto the uttermost parts of the world. We're doing that right now. 
This thing is set up, man. We have this podcast, Podbean. We have the, we're able right now to do that. Exactly what he said. He's given us the power, the means, and the ability to speak forth right now the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's not just being heard by you who live over in Bainbridge and Richmond Hill and wherever. It's going all out there, man, as far as it can reach. Because Lord said, hey, I want, I want every creature to have a chance to hear the, these good, glad tidings and this message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Revelation is about him, the only Savior, the all-wise God, the all-knowing God, the all-loving, the all-kind, all-powerful God. You know, all-present God. That's what we're talking about right now. Uh, he said all-powerful. And then he talks about being, um, you got omniscient, omnipotent, and then you have um, omnipresent. Meaning that God, there's no place on this earth or out of this earth or, or in the universe that God is not. Mm. All of it belongs to him. Everything. Everything that was made in credit. Nothing was made in credit. He did not make it in credit for himself. So everything does belong to him. You know, he's all present. There's no place. Okay. That, that's number three. Meaning I'm, I'm the, all present. Omniscient is all, omniscient is all knowing. Omnipotent is all powerful, and I'm uh, I'm I'm the uh, present. Mean he's all present. Omniscient mean he's all present. Okay, and then you have omnibenevolence, which talking about he's all loving. That means supremely good. See, that's what the love of God is about. It's supremely good. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's nothing can touch it. That's why we say it's agape love. It ain't like no other love. You know. It's just supreme. And so uh, the, another way to look at this is that God knows everything. He has all power to do anything. And he is perfectly good. And see, that's what he wants us. He, he wants us to work toward that end state. Remember my thoughts, you know, that I think towards you. They are not evil. They don't fall short. They go above and beyond where we at. He's thinking where we're going to be if we, if we continue to endure to the end to be saved. You know, that's that hope and that future he planned for us. Yeah. To give us a hope in the future, that expected end. That's it right there. That statement I just made. That's the level of perfection that God is planning for us through Jesus Christ. You know, that we would see God and strive to be, you know, know everything that God has given us to know so that we have a perfect knowledge of him. Right now, as much as he want to reveal to us, even though it's in part. Mm. Paul said, you know, I counted everything else, but don't, Pastor, that I might comprehend him who has been who I've been apprehended by. <laughs> you know, Paul said, I'm, 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 I'm departing Caesar from knowing him. He ain't he ain't the king of kings. He ain't the Lord of Lords. He going down too. And and even he said, Paul almost died persuaded me, you know, to be a Christian. This is this is persuasive, you know, the power of God, you know. And so those are just a few of the 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 the, the attributes that the Bible mentions or characteristics that the Bible mentions that talks about the perfection of, of Jesus Christ. And when it's applied to people, it refers to completeness of parts uh, or perfection. Where no part is defective or wanting. Uh, some of it links to the gospel use of the terms with its use by Greek philosophers. To them, something was perfect if it fully was intended, uh, functioned the way it was intended. 
Now you have to ask yourself a question. Am I functioning today fully the way I was intended? Remember now, God created us in his image and likeness so that we were created to do what? Have dominion. So am I functioning fully yet in, in having dominion? No. You know, I'll be the first to admit it. That's why we say we still a work in progress. But that work that God is doing is a perfect work. He's going to continue to perform that work until he comes to get us, his bride, without spot or without wrinkle. We have a perfect body to present to him because we would have endured to the end with fear and trembling, working out our own salvation so that when we stand before him, we'll be justified and not crucified. And so in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 41 of the King James Bible, now listen at this reference that the physician Luke makes here mm -hmm. to what we're talking about. Now we're just taking this, this deep precept, we're breaking it down, and we're looking at the use now of how all these, these apostles and physicians and whoever had access Okay, to to the uh, sinlessness of Jesus Christ, whether they were a witness, whether they were taught it by Paul, the apostles, however they came into that knowledge. We know Luke was one of the gospels and he wrote down what he experienced traveling with Paul. So let's see what Luke says here. He says, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. So he's talking about Jesus. You know, again, what's the, what's the key here? Jesus was not just complete in some parts. He was complete in all parts. Why? He was tempted in every part that we were going to be tempted in. And he did not sin. So we have to look at the perfection that God is talking about in the sinlessness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And now pattern what we do with a hope that that's how I want to end up. And use the things that God has given me now to, to sanctify myself, which is that word, Lord. Which is truth. So he wants me to know the truth so that the truth can make me free from my struggle. So that I can now function the way I'm supposed to, you know. And then he goes on to say here in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 47, the King James Bible, here's another witness. Eyewitness, matter of fact. So let's see what John wrote down here in this particular chapter. He said, he that is of God, listen to this now, heareth God's word. Mm. Ye therefore hear them not, talking to the world, because ye are not of God. So there's a lot of people out there hearing. And the enemy, remember now, he tried to imitate God. So he's saying that that voice you hearing, if you don't know God, it's not the voice of God. Because if you find another voice, there's no way you're following God if you don't know God. It's, it's just as plain and, and clear. And John saw this. He, he, he saw that group of people that when Jesus was going to them synagogue, when he left Capernaum and teaching and people were getting healed, they were going to show themselves approved in the in the, in the, in the, in the, the, the temples and to the priest. And they was disbelieving it. It was because they didn't know God. Because if they would have known what the major prophets, the minor prophets, the apostles had told them, and then the Messiah came that they were supposed to be expecting and did the exact miracles and things that he said he was going to do. Yes, Lord. Demonstrated and proven who he was. And so he said, which one, which one of these here miracles that I'm doing that caused you not to believe I'm the son of God? Mm. How can Beelzebub cast out the devil? Come on. You know. So, but he letting them know through that wisdom, all wise God, that that's the voice you're following. Yes, 
That ain't my voice. I'm here now. You hear me, you hear God. The, 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 the message that I brought with me, it's not mine. It's my father's. You know? And so John picked up on this and John said, you know, he that is of God heareth God's word. God's words. Plural, meaning more than one. Sixty-six books. Ye therefore hear them not. He's talking to this 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 crowd of believers. They probably want to take John out from for, for Philemon. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, John didn't care. He said, "It's a better obey God than obey men." You know, I, I don't seen too much. I don't I don't seen too much about him. I, I can't doubt him no more. I can't deny him no more. You know, Satan wanted to sift me just like he wanted to sift y'all. But he prayed for me. I remember he told me he prayed for me. You know, I already told him. You know, hey. I know who you are now. You asked me that question. I answered it. And you said, hey, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. He remembered what he was told. And he said, but this man have done nothing. He's sinless. You know, you've not. They tried to accuse him of, of, accuse him of blasphemy. But we know that wasn't true. And so John writes this for our learning. And then he goes on to say here in the book of Second Corinthians, here's another witness, Paul, mm-hmm. who was very instrumental in getting the message out. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Corinthians, in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21, King James Bible. It's kind of over there where verse 17 talks about if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. So now let's look just a few verses past the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17, that after old things have passed away, and you walk in the newness of life. Now let's see what Paul is saying. Now let's see what he picks up here and adds to that, to that newness of life. He says, for he that hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be what made the righteousness of God in him. You can't make yourself righteous. I don't care how much righteous good work you try to do for the church, the community. You cannot. It doesn't rise to that level. OK, that Jesus Christ rose to everything he did was right and just. Everything we do falls short, mm-hmm. even in our most righteousness. He said we're but filthy rags and when you compare it to what God did through his son. It's not to put us down. It's just so that we don't get full of pride and puffed up in ourselves and start bragging and, and, and like we done made it. And, and, the, and the greatest harm that we can do, the greatest damage to the righteousness of God is this. is When I start comparing myself to others who are not where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I start using my standards, my way of doing things as how I measure somebody else's righteousness. When he said, the way I look at it, without me, you're nothing. Mm. And they're without me, so that makes them nothing. You don't have to treat them like they're nothing. Your job is to treat them just like you treat yourself. To want for them what you want for yourself. Their end is the righteousness of God made plain. It's revealed. How else are they going to see Christ likeness? How else are they going to see his attributes? That he's all knowing. He's all present. He's all powerful. He's all loving. If he doesn't get to work it through us. His called out ones. His ambassadors. His evangelists. You know, his, his, his pastors. You know, his, 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 his vessels. His, you know, the ones that are supposed to represent him and be like him. By this do men know now that you are my disciples. And so he goes on to say there, man, Paul, to that church, man, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Bam. So now I ain't got to worry about sin's dominion anymore. Even though I still sin, I have an advocate. 
that I can say, Father, forgive me because I've sinned against you and he's faithful and just to do it. And listen now, cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. That's in the book of First John, chapter one, verses seven through verse nine. Now, that ain't nobody for nobody. To use that as no license when you step on people, when you fall short. It's just to get you back in right standings through the finished work of Jesus. And he goes on to say that we might be made that, that, that lets us know, Pastor, we ain't there yet. You know, we're still a work in progress. That's right. We're still the, you know, the clay and he's still the potter and he's yet molding and shaping us, getting us back to where we'll be able to see him the way he is when he appears suddenly like a thief in the night, you know. And so he goes on in the book of Hebrews, chapter one, verse nine, the King James Bible. <coughs> Here's another witness, another reference. It says, thou hast loved righteousness. And hated iniquity. Mm. Now the, the writer here, the author here is 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 he's he's writing to, to to listeners, to his readers, to his followers. But at the same time, now who did he say when the Holy Ghost come upon us, we're gonna witness to first? Jesus. Then everybody else. And so when you when you when we start thinking about when I'm actually witnessing, there is one higher than anybody who's monitoring what I'm saying. This is why we have to be so careful. You know, I'll say there's there's two powers and forces that we got to be concerned about. God, number one. And Satan, number two, and then everybody else, you know why? Because see, the Bible says Proverbs shared this witness with us in, in, in chapter six, verse two, the King James Bible. We're snared by the words of our mouth. That means trapped and we're taken by the words of our mouth. That means you got a, someone out there going back and forth, seeking whom he may devour. That was very wise instruction that Solomon wrote. Why? He had experienced some of it himself. How did you think he got in the mess he was in? He learned some things through that mess and he writes it down and leaves it for us, for our learning too. That's why it's called the book of wisdom. It tells you, uh, it warns you of what happens when you do everything that you think you're big, bad, and bold enough to do without any counsel from God's word. Or I'll say any obedience to God's word. He had the counsel. David taught him. He, he had access to it. He knew who he was. He knew he was supposed to place his father. A lot of times that, that could be the problem. Knowing who you are versus who he is. Something hit me then. God said that's a problem in the body of Christ today. People want people to know who they are without knowing who the God of the house is. That's why Jesus had to go in there and cleanse it. Man left to himself. Whew. And he says, you know, that he said, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And so he's, he's, he's witnessing here. He's telling them that your, your first witness to, to be to the one, Pastor, that have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And that ought to bring a certain level of reverence and fear that I can't just throw anything at God. That's right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to be apologetic. I'm going to have to repent all the time because I'm not sure am I, am I measuring up. But I do know one thing. He wants me to live a repentant life. That, that's the only thing that keeps my heart pure, my hands clean. Because we're sinners saved by grace, y'all. We're being made righteous. That's what he said. We're being made the righteousness of God in him. And he ain't finished with it yet. Don't you think that you've arrived? 
None of us, not even me. I don't care how many churches they done built. I don't care how many, you know, followings they got. I don't care how many books they done sold. None of that right there, man, measures up to the righteousness of God. You know, God didn't make that. We made that. that that's our righteousness. We call that righteousness. Mm. But only God the Father, Abba, can make us righteous through the blood of Jesus. You know, and he says right there, therefore, listen now, therefore, God, even thy God, and he's a big Jesus, so he's talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have anointed thee with the oil, I love this verse, man, of gladness above thy fellows. Mm. Come on now, when he talk about thy fellows there, he's talking about all these folks out here we give all these accolades and credit to, we should be giving to God. You know, my, if I'm having my pastor, I went, I've been dead and in heaven. My pastor saved me. Uh, my first lady, man, she hasn't came to me and found me. I've been dead. Now, God is the Savior through Jesus Christ. Nobody's saved unless they be saved. That's the only name Paul says in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12, King James Bible. That by which men can be saved. Y'all stop giving all this praise and all this adoration and credit to people and give it to God. He's earned it, don't you think? In return, Pastor, he gives us his righteousness. That's right. That's right. You know, he helps us to do the things that we're unable to do in our own strength and our own will and our own might. That's a benefit to us. That's why he said, forget not all of my benefits, my incentives of my love, I demonstrate to you all the time. All the time. So therefore, you should bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in your mouth. Yes. If I heal you, you healed. If I save you, save. Yes. Am I not your praise? Yes, you are. Lord, you are our praise. And so he says it right there. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All these people out there, they don't even, they don't even come close. I don't care how long they've been in, how big the church they done built, how many personal jets they got, car, fleet of cars they got, how many shark skin suits that they can change five times a day, alligator shoes that cost $5,000, a pair of handmade. I don't care about all that stuff. That ain't the anointing that he's talking about that brings you all the gladness on your life. It's when you have a deep, deep earning and yearning for him and you just realize you can't live if you don't have that. <clears throat> you don't even want to face the world without that. Because you know without that, I'm just, I'm just a, an empty vessel. An em the Bible calls it an empty system. There's no, there's no living water that he says shall be in you. After that, you receive the Holy Ghost. Out of your belly gonna flow rivers of living water. You, you, let me tell you something. There are mega churches out there. They don't even want nobody to speak in tongues. Mm. It's because they've set up a, a plumb line, and this is what this church is gonna do, and this is what this church is gonna believe, and this is what you're gonna preach, and this is what you're gonna teach. And the Bible says it right there when the when the Lord told Moses to tell Pharaoh, "Let my people go." That night, He told him, "You get that lamb, you dress it, you." You tell everybody to gather into that place under that roof. You take the blood and some hyssop. You put it on the doorpost, the side post, the mantle, and you tell everybody to come inside. And inside, I want them to eat the whole thing. Eat everything that you roasted. The whole lamb. The whole thing. There's a message there. He's saying, look, don't eat some of the gospel. Don't just pick out the part that fits you. Don't add to it. Don't take from it. Don't change it. Eat the whole thing. All of it. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them. This is a man who wanted to quit. 
Moses wanted to give up. They, they, they weren't getting it. That's why he broke the first set of tablets. Got frustrated. For that, he was not going to make it into the promised land, even though he saw it. I don't want to just see it. I want to live it. I want to be a part of it. It's okay. You know, God, God took care of Moses. He got his reward. Are, you, are we going to get ours? You know, don't, don't, don't put your confidence and trust in man. Man trying to do just like us. Make it in. You know what's good for him. Don't get caught up in no title, how big the church is, how many artists they can get to come in there, how many people they can have for a revival, how many prophetic conferences they have where they got every prophet known to man to come in there and lay hands on you and speak about them houses you're going to get and that big pay raise you're going to get and all that money you're going to get in the next five years. Don't get caught up in that. That's not the gladness that comes from the oil that God put on your life. That, that gladness, that oil, it first destroys the yoke so that now pure gladness can flow, joy can flow. And all your weeping that you done whip all them years, falling short, coming up short. Now some joy that will remain full in you will come. Yes. And from that day forward, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength like no other. Jeremiah, he, hey, he caught fire after that touch. After God purified his lips. Why his lips, Pastor Sharon? Because all that stuff he was saying, God couldn't use it. This is a man that was called from his mother's womb. Why are you talking like that just because you, people didn't, didn't respond to you the way you wanted them to? This is the problem. We respond more to people and depend more on their amen than we do to God. That's why he said the first person you're going to witness to is Jesus. As long as I'm pleasing him, I ain't going to base man, you know, the smile on his face on the smile on people's face. Them telling me how well you preach and how well you talk don't mean nothing if God don't approve. That's excitement. God wants ignitement. Wants you to be ignited. Mm -hmm. So that the rivers can flow. So that the oil of God, the oil of the Holy Ghost can come on you. And you can be glad about it. That's above what people can do for you. People be shouting and tearing up the church, breaking heels and whatnot, because somebody called them up there and laid hands on them and said, yo, your husband is on the way, sister. You've been without him, you know. Run all around the church. You're getting a new car next week, you know. A new house, a new house. You, you need a new house. <coughs> Got everybody now breaking off, running, falling all out all over the place. Some of them being pushed down. Come on, brother. Because they're happy about that. But let them get baptized and feel in the Holy Ghost on the altar crying out to God. A broken heart and contrite spirit. He said, I won't despise. Probably need to just have a service where everybody just shut up and come and lay on the altar. Nobody say nothing until God speak. Spend four hours in the presence of God. Not four hours, 15 minutes per speaker. Everybody giving you a word. Whole platform just lined up with prominent people dressed to kill. Mm. I wouldn't want all them folk putting their hands on me. You, get? you can just have God. Look what he said right there. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, above all of them. <laughs> no man can do for you what God promises he'll do for you. Let's go a little further. We're going to bring it in. 
in the book of Hebrew, chapter four, verse 12, the King James Bible, we're going a little deeper into the letter that was written to the Hebrews. And so let's see what it says. It says, for we have not in high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Man, if Jesus did not come to this earth and leave that wedding and go right on head toward that feast and the places he stopped on the way. Why? He was touched by their infirmities. He couldn't just lead a man at the pool of Bethesda who'd been coming there, man, 38 years. He couldn't lead a woman that was pushing through the crowd being stepped on, man, with the, with the, with the issue of blood. He couldn't let the lady, man, who'd been coming for 18 long years and couldn't in no way straighten herself. He couldn't just, he, he saw them, he was touched by them, and when he did, he did something about it. He released them. He let the oil of the anointing of gladness come on them and broke their yoke and broke their cycle and dried up their blood. And the man never had to worry about nobody putting him in the water when the angels came and troubled the water. Why? It's because the living water touched him. The living water spoke to him. He was looking at the fellows that were going to help him get in. 38 years he'd been coming, sitting on the porch. You know, sitting on the porch. You know, couldn't get in that water. Long time coming. Waiting on somebody to put him in. When the angel came and troubled the water. Hebrews 4 and 15. You know. Yeah, Hebrews 4 and 15 is talking about that high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. That means he's going to be touched by every one of them. He's not going to overlook them, even though he had a mission to go to the feast, but he had some work to do between the time he left the wedding and doing the first miracle, turning the water into wine on his way to, the, to Jerusalem. He had to walk now, and he had a following. He had a following. They was following him. Why? They wanted to see more miracles. That fame went out. So the fame went out. Some people ran ahead of him and told everybody. And so he had a fame of a crowd of people waiting on him. Some blind folks, some leopard folks, and every place he stopped, one place he stopped, he was in somebody's house ministry. And some guys went ahead and got their friend that was laying on a pallet and, and, and brought him on in there, man, and couldn't get in there for the crowd. They climbed up the side of the building, man, went up top and tore the people's roof off and lowered him down. And got man got healed. Whew. Touch with the feelings of their infirmity. He was touched by it. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Mm. See, that's, that's that profession that he's talking about. Are we willfully going out here doing stuff? No, we're sinning. I'll break it down for you. You know, I, I was about to blame God when I got diagnosed back in. I want to say it was back in 2015 with my cancer. I did ask God. I said, God, why, why me? He said, why not you? I'm getting ready to take you to another level of faith. Y'all done heard the testimony. Book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 17. I mean, verse 1, chapter 7. I mean, chapter 1, verse 17. He said, I'm taking you to another level. I'm getting ready to give you, arm you with your own personal testimony of what I can do. You, you know I heal. You know I done, you done pray for folks and I done healed them. I done demonstrated that to you. But you're getting ready to go to another level of faith. Then he took me on over to the book of Psalms, chapter 84. I want to say verse 10 or 11. He said, look at here. I'm going to take you to another level of strength like no other. And then over in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18, 19, he said, I'm getting ready to take you to another level of my glory. In that order. Kind of where we striving now. And it doesn't not yet 
you know, the, the, I reckon that the substance of these present times, they're not worthy to be revealed, that be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. Paul said that in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse uh, 18, King James Bible. So there's a lid that's being, that, that word revealed means to take the lid off of God's people so that the glory that's contained in us will come forth. It meaning we'll give God glory and won't give it to people. Come on. Give them the credit, you know. And so that's what he's saying right there, without sin, you know. Then he goes on in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. We're going to spend a little bit of time right here in Hebrews for a minute. Powerful letter here. Talks in about a more excellent way. That's what Jesus brought in. Uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, the King James Bible says this. For such an high priest like Jesus... Mm. Became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. We just said now the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 17, the King James Bible. As he is right now, all these things that they just said, that's how he is right now. Glorified in, into those, those level right now. Those, those, that's who he is right now. But he's saying that's who we are too if Christ is in us. That's the hope now, the Christ in us. Not I, but the Christ in us now. What, what he is right there, that's what's in us right now. That ability, that capability, that anointing is in each and every one of us right now. That's why he says signs and wonders can follow those who believe. Book of Mark chapter you know, 16, verses 16 through 18. But see, we got we to gotta, we gotta have a perfect knowledge and we got to have a perfect faith. We got to have a perfect level of maturity so that when these little things come, I don't get wishy-washy and my faith get kind of wavering and get shaky. Every time I got to come to God and believe he who he say he is and he's going to do what he says he to do, especially in the midst of a storm, in a fire, in a den, yeah. you know, a furnace, a fiery furnace, a trial, a tribulation, a struggle. Be of good cheer. Why? I've already overcome these things. I'm, I'm glorified right now. I'm, 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 I'm exalted right now. So keep me exalted. Keep me high and lifted up. You know, keep praising me. Somewhere in the praise, you're going to find the miracle. Somewhere in the praise, you're going to find another level of faith. Somewhere in the praise, some glory going to be revealed. Can't do nothing else about it. So you might as well praise the one who can do everything about it. He's got what? All power. He's omnipotent. He already knows your thoughts before you think them. Every hair on your head, he numbered. He knows the end at the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So any of you are sweating on bullets... Because I don't know something. That's why I have the paracletos to come alongside me. What does he do? He don't need no man to teach me anything save the Holy Ghost. That, that's the anointing that we have. And the anointed one. First he lives on side of us. He lives in us. Then he comes along side of us. To remind us of who is in us. And whose we are. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Same with you believer. And sometimes we haven't built ourselves up in the, in the Holy Ghost praying in his power and strength. And that's why sometimes we, we kind of don't feel him or we don't, uh, we're not aware that he's there sometimes. Because we have not awakened him before I go out into this, into this world. I don't ask the Holy Ghost to lead me, guide me, direct me, you know, speak to me, help me, tell me what to do, show me what to do. Thank you for praying for me because I don't know how to pray as I should. We don't have that conversation with him. But let a crisis happen And we're going to call everybody we know Who can get a prayer through Because I've, I've allowed him to just Lay in the boat and not wake him up Storm all around me All in my life 
troubled waters gushing everywhere. And I'm grabbing my bucket of fear trying to dip it out. And he's telling me, if you want to, you can get out of that boat and walk on the water if you want to. But you can't walk thinking you're going to sink. When he's bidding you to walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, you cry. He's going to help you when you, when you begin to fall. He's going he gonna to catch you. You know, he ain't going to let you down. Because he knows we're weak. But he knows that we also can be made, his strength can be made strong in our weakness. He knows this already. He wants us to know it. So he goes on to say there, you know, uh, in the book of Hebrews, we're going a little further in Hebrews, uh, chapter 9, verse 14 of the King James Bible. Uh, we just went over chapter uh, 7, verse 26 of the King James Bible. Look at verse 9 here. I mean, chapter 9 here, verse 14. He says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, that's the capital spirit, offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, my conscience, okay, from dead works to serve the living God. Look at that righteousness in Christ. Look at that perfection right there. Even when he was suffering and dying, he didn't stop being sinless. Because he knew that this is not because of something I did. This is because of something you did. So I got to do the opposite of what you did so that I can get you back the righteousness that you lost. That's right. It can be brought back. I'm willing to pay the price. Because I'm the righteousness of my father. And if you accept my righteousness, you become... His righteousness as I am his righteousness Because your righteousness Come through the blood of Jesus That I'm going to shed on that cross of Calvary So don't forget to preach the cross Because that's the price for your righteousness Don't forget to preach the gospel message The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ And if I believe on him I can be saved, can be saved. People want cars and houses More than they want the righteousness of God Operating in their life Functioning in their life And functioning in it that's what make you rich in Christ. And he says, how much more shall the blood of, of, of Christ, only thing that can make us whole again and wash away our sins, put us in right standing, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, that's what the price was, purged our conscience, cleaned us up, you know, washed away our sins from dead works, old things have passed away to serve the living God, not some, some God on a cross or you know some emblem and all that stuff man some idol you know some statue outside of a building with, with apparently you know his mother and all that all these you know, things sitting on the counter when you go in a restaurant with with money and stuff you know all these idols they say you make no have no graven images before me nothing like me no other God before me I'm the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob I'm the word in the beginning was the word the word was God and you know I, I'm the living word of God incarnated made flesh dwelling among you full of grace and truth and my people don't recognize me my sheep know my voice and another voice they won't follow last two scriptures over in the book of first Peter here Peter now here's another witness all these names are familiar because you know the scripture gives us all these applications of that, that sinlessness of Christ Jesus How every one of these names That we're talking about What they wrote What was their record of it They referenced it And they wrote it for us You know But when you look at these, these, these precepts You don't see that right away 
You know, so you got to do a little bit of work there to try to find out what where else is this applied, so I can get the full blown picture, Pastor. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and all of these are people that we're talking about who struggle, but they also had some success. When they came into that perfect knowledge, their lives changed. You know what it did for them, Pastor? It shed some light, and now life made sense. Come on. Now life made sense. You know, everybody out there trying to get rid of them and kill them and do stuff, but now they realize that, hey, if I suffer for him, I'm going to reign with him. If I die with him and for him, you know, I'm going I'm I'm to be with him again in eternity. You know, because I know now that, that, that you know, Anybody who try to live God is going to suffer persecution. I'm not no long ranger here. Yeah. But I got to bear my cross too. 